Welcome to Polymathic Being, a place to explore counterintuitive insights across multiple domains. These essays take common topics and explore them from different perspectives and disciplines, and in doing so, come up with unique insights and solutions. As we kick off today, I want to celebrate the continued growth of Polymathic Being. Thanks for being here. I also have an ask. Please follow, like, and share. Follow us on your podcast players and on polymathicbeing.com. Click the like button or submit reviews so others can find us. And please share these essays and recordings with others so that we can continue to grow together. Chaos and Order, Reclaiming the Feminine. Today's topic is a second exploration into the strength of the feminine and forces us to address something many find problematic in that the ancient archetypes depict the feminine as chaos and the masculine as order. This seems to offend our sensibilities, but only because we have a deeply encoded bias that the masculine order is somehow preferred. We'll dive into the history of the feminine, of our own consciousness, and what we've lost over the millennia. These essays on the feminine aren't mine alone. My partner in crime, Lisa, joins me in writing as we've wrangled with the concept of the feminine for a few years now. Our focus for these essays is raising two daughters in the current political climate we feel devalues the feminine. Our fascination with the feminine is rooted in a troubling tendency we've encountered in how society views it. As we explored previously in Rediscovering the Goddess, we assert that today's premise for women is roughly captured as follows. To be a successful woman, you must be undifferentiable from a successful man. The challenge revolves around lumping men and women together as interchangeable elements, where the only difference are social constructions. As we explored in Goddesses, evolutionary differences lent themselves to historical social structures that not only recognized, but revered the feminine. Alas, we seem to have lost that nuance. Society has attempted to not just mash the feminine into power structures, but to pretend there is zero difference between the two. Yet, this is not how history positively viewed the difference. Our ancient mythologies clearly identify a balance where the feminine is depicted as chaos and the masculine as order. Already, this ruffles feathers, so here's a great video that highlights this difference. The masculine is driven by mission and purpose. The masculine is a protector, it's the warrior, it's the certainty. One of the analogies that I love to use with the masculine and the feminine is a glass of water. So you think of a glass of water, the glass itself is, represents the masculine, it's the structure, it's the safety, it's the certainty. And what does the glass do is it holds the water, which is the feminine. And the feminine is very free flowing and beautiful and it can be calm and peaceful and it can be chaotic, but it's still held in the safety of the masculine of the glass. The lady in the video describes women like water and men like a glass. The feminine water is described as very free-flowing and beautiful. It can be calm and peaceful. It can be chaotic. I'll build on this and say that water is also the life bearer in ancient mythology, which also rings true in nature writ large today. Without water, there is no life. But life is chaos. It's challenging. It's messy and risky. The lady contrasts this against the masculine, depicted as the glass, representing the structure, the safety, it's the certainty that holds the water. We saw this in Rediscovering the Goddess, when ancients depicted women deities as naked, 
representing how they operate in their own character, simply in their nature. This nature, and nature in general, is wild and quite chaotic. We struggle to accurately predict the weather, and there are so many other things, both tiny and large, that seem to be trying to kill us every day. Nature is metal. Contrast this to the ancient archetypes of the man, who is always clothed. Man does not function from the nature of their bodies, but from their roles in society. It's all about structure, stability, hierarchy. In a word, order. Women represent the future of the species, our chance to maintain a genetic legacy, nature, the divine, and chaos. Men represent order, structure, and protection that help increase their success in creating a genetic legacy. Let's dive deeper into the psychology. Our first step is to address the concept of archetypes and their rendering in our culture. Gender traits fall into a general bimodal distribution aligned to the sexual binary. Each of us has a balance of masculine and feminine archetypes that we manifest. It's part of the duality that exists in the individual psyche and the world writ large. Yet, I'll underline here that, while there is a distribution of traits, the bimodality of the distribution repeatedly demonstrates a bifurcation, not a smooth or consistent spectrum. This means there is something different between the feminine and the masculine. In Jungian psychology, the feminine is associated with chaos and the masculine is associated with order. These are not just gendered constructs, but also represent different psychological dynamics. The feminine, or anima in Jungian terms, is often linked to the unconscious, intuitive, and creative aspects, which can be seen as chaotic due to their unpredictable and nonlinear nature. Conversely, the masculine, or an animus, is associated with rationality, logic, and structure, which can be seen as ordering principles. Psychiatrist Carl Jung captured a combination of two archetypes each of the masculine and feminine. The female has the positive, the good mother, Gaia, Mother Earth, contrasted against the negative, the devouring mother. The masculine has the good king, contrasted against the absent, or tyrannical father. The classic story of the hero's journey, or the fight with the dragon of ancient lore, is thick with deeper meaning regarding the battle for our individual consciousness as both men and women, and the separation from the ages of our parents' ego of identity. This is where the adolescent male transitions from the nurturing arms of his mother into the masculine power structures. This quote from The Origins and History of Consciousness by Eric Neumann, a protege of Jung, captures the masculine and feminine requirement to separate from the parental archetypes and the consequence of failing to do that. Quote, the fact that we have failed to rescue and redeem the feminine side of themselves is often expressed psychologically in an intensive preoccupation with the universals to the exclusion of the personal human element. Their heroic and idealistic concern with humanity at large lacks the self-limitation of the lover who is ready to cleave to the individual and not to mankind and the universe alone, end quote. This failure to integrate sounds a lot like Generation Z right now, doesn't it? It represents where the chaos and order are out of balance. A devouring mother, what we might call a helicopter mom today, is not an archetype of feminine love, but in devouring the soul of her children, 
is often paired with either an absent father or a tyrannical father who helicopters right along. Neither expose the child to the world so that they can grow. This shows up as many young adults being lost in their heroic and idealistic concern with humanity at large, and yet unable to manage their own lives. Putting this to application, as Lisa likes to say, ask a group of women to describe themselves, and you'll end up with a far-reaching and varied response, often concluding with an invitation to hang out and observe, as much of their identity is relationship-bound. Contrast this to having a group of guys describe themselves, and you'll get a structured and typically role-oriented answer. Men define themselves by actions and status, less by relationships. So what is the practical point in all this? In one word, it's anti-fragility. Back to the description of water. Uncontained water is fog. You can't drink it. It visually obscures the risks in nature that are out there. It's cold and dark. Yet this same water, structured in a glass, a lake, or a river, is no less chaotic, but it is much more useful. The masculine provides the structure, a glass of sorts, that can encapsulate the feminine energy. Yet, without something to hold, that glass is just as useless as fog. Since the water represents the life-giving element, filling that glass with rocks isn't very useful either. Lastly, glass is not resilient, and those masculine hierarchies, power structures, and societal edifices that it represents are shockingly fragile. It's not an underestimation to say that men need the chaos of the feminine. When the chaos is paired with order, we create anti-fragile systems. This requires enough order to provide structure, safety, and certainty, coupled with enough chaos to be very free-flowing and beautiful. Just like the yin and yang of Chinese philosophy captures two complementary principles, where yin is negative, dark, and feminine, read chaos, and yang is positive, bright, and masculine, read order. Back to the application of those archetypes and the premise introduced earlier that a successful woman is indistinguishable from a successful man. What we found interesting is that the devouring mother today is typically over-indexing on the masculine order. The helicopter mom has to control everything and cannot just let go and allow nature to take its course. Likewise, the tyrannical father also over-indexes towards order. Neither the negative archetypes of feminine nor masculine is balanced. When they aren't balanced individually, they also are rarely balanced together and aren't able to achieve the yin and yang. Back to the quote from Neumann above. We need a similar integration individually to achieve the yin and the yang. The individual feminine needs to integrate an element of the masculine. She must order herself to a degree to not exclusively rely on the masculine to support her. If she doesn't, she risks relying on tyrannical men. Likewise, the individual masculine needs to integrate an element of the feminine. This softens the order, prevents tyranny, and embraces empathy and compassion within himself. The lack of that integration often leads to what I'll call compassionate tyranny. This certainly seems to be reflected in society today, which is being stretched between caring about everything while also trying to control everything. It is manifest in the push for compassion and acceptance coupled with restrictions on speech and ideas. 
The result is fragility, not the superpower of anti-fragility. In conclusion, our goal here is to show that both sides are equal halves of a complete whole. They are also not in opposition. The masculine contains element of the feminine, and the feminine contains elements of the masculine. Apropos to the keys to innovation topics explored here before, innovation, creation, and change is chaos. You can't have the benefits without that chaos, yet it's about balance. I don't like the phrase, move fast and break stuff, and I think that's because it's not balanced. It's trying to be innovative, but it misses the nuance of the feminine. We, Lisa and I, don't feel our society is balancing the two well. There's certainly a lot of evidence in politics and the work environment of compassionate tyranny. It's not the fault of either side, but of both sides not stepping back far enough to properly define the problem. If we don't do that, we'll never balance the superpower available to us. And it also has us chasing a value proposition that devalues the feminine. This conversation is likely to leave us wrangling with feelings that we don't care for. Value judgments likely lead us to want to defend or critique. Lisa and I have been struggling with these concepts for years because of societal impressions that bias us towards certain value propositions and a political climate that pushes sameness. We'd like to know what you're feeling and why. What would be disagreeable about the ancient archetypes of order and chaos? And what could we put in its place that's as anti-fragile, flexible, dynamic, and balanced as those two things? Thanks for listening to Polymathic Being. We'd love for you to subscribe at polymathicbeing.com, where you can read, comment, and share these essays.